Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. And as you, uh, as you know, we've been going through a sermon series for almost the whole entire year called uh, Acts, and we're just going straight through the book of Acts together. And every single week, we look at the very foundational verse in which the book of Acts is founded on, and it's this verse right here. Now, this week, I'm going to have you guys read it because I told you you were going to have to, but I'll start you out. You ready? But... Nice. You guys like stayed together on that one without me. Like I always feel awkward leading people with my big mic and everything. But hey, for a first attempt, that was amazing. That, the whole point is this, is, is that we are witnesses everywhere we go. And we've been following through the apostles and how God has set up the church. And now we're getting into... Uh, we're getting into this conversion of Saul and actually the church outside of Jerusalem being forced through persecution and tribulation to now go, hey, we are going outside of the city of Jerusalem to share into Judea and Samaria and to the outer ends of the earth. And so before we start this morning, would you pray with me? Hey God, this is your word. And Lord, when we come to it and, and open it up, Lord, would we... Uh, also open our hearts to you. God, would you share with us your truths and would you draw us deeper into a desire to be with you? And as we look at how Saul is being spiritually formed, Lord, I, I just pray that God, we would see the correlation in our own hearts that we would look to you for our guidance and our direction. And so, God, uh, may we just see you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. In 2003, uh, in probably around August of 2003, I started uh, my journey of looking for a job in Glasgow, Montana. And so... Uh, that's not really the story I want to tell because about at the end of August of 2003, my dad knew, uh, we kind of knew that we were going to be, I was going to be moving here. And so my dad said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, before you go off, you're definitely going to have to take a financial peace course, right? So it was like a one-day intensive of learning finances, and, and so I had to do this whole entire course, and my mind was just opened to unbelievable how I did not know money very well. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I was just going to be graduating from college. I had $24,000 in student loans, which a lot of you guys are like, well, I had way more than that, but I went to a cheap college. So $24,000. I had $4,500 uh, debt in a Isuzu Rodeo, a black Isuzu Rodeo. It was beautiful. I loved it. And then uh, I had about uh, another $4,500 
$1,000 in credit card debt. And I had just bounced a check, which I got, which I got taken to court on. And so that check that was written for $30 bounced for $30 more dollars. And then I just ignored it. And so um, the, the, uh, that $30 check that I wrote ended up costing me $570 in court fees, lawyer fees, and my uh, every time having to go down to the courthouse and giving them money because they wouldn't let me have a check. And so uh, needless to say, I uh, had a horrible time with money. And so I go through this course and I get really excited because all of a sudden I see how money can work for me and how I'm like, hey, I'm going to change my attitude towards this. And so one of the first things he says is, get on a budget, right? And so I got myself on a budget and I knew I was moving here and I knew I'd probably have uh, uh, a little bit better income. By the way, my income when I first moved here was $9,000 a year. And then there was like a 2000 like if I didn't spend, if I didn't like do any medical stuff, like I could get $2,000 at the end of the year. But uh, our church was really smart and didn't just hand a 22-year-old $2,000 at the end of the year. They would say, okay, what do you need? And so I'd tell them what I need and then they'd write a check. So, hey, this church is pretty cool in that aspect. But anyway, so uh, I just, I knew that I had to uh, I knew that I had to pay off stuff as quickly as possible. I knew that I could set up a budget. One of the first things he says is this, is that uh, your budget will never work for the first two months, but just stick with it, stick on it. And so when I'm making the budget, I mean, I am all in. I'm like, yeah, I could do this and I could do this and we can change this and I, I could be good. This is awesome. Well, you get a month in and then all of a sudden it gets harder and then you just want to give up. And then after two months, uh, you're like, wow, it's finally starting to work for me. And then I met a girl. And so now I got to buy a wedding ring, right? And so now I got to go to Baker's Jewelry and I got to be like, I only got a hundred bucks to put down on this. Let's, they're like, that's okay. We'll work with you. You can just bring in your measly hundred dollars once a month. Anyway, but, uh, and then after a while it gets difficult, right? Because now we have more responsibility, then all of a sudden, I have to be able to look at the money that's going out and going, man, I'm paying all these things off and I'm working so incredibly hard, but I don't get any of the fun. I don't get to go out to dinner. I don't get to do things. And so it becomes a little difficult because all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, what about me? When do I get to do what I want to do? When do I get to buy my motorcycle, right? When do I get to buy these sort of things? Well, and then you get a little older and you start going, well, I need retirement. And then you start looking at all those end things and you're like, oh my goodness, this is impossible. I'm never going to be able to save up enough money for retirement. And I'm never really going to get that old anyway. Cheryl. Uh, but like I, I look at those things and, and, I, and I think to myself going, this is exactly like spiritual formation. So why, when we look at Acts chapter 9, do we want to just take this and, and go into a little bit more of uh, detail? It's because I think everything is a process. When I look at my way back and I go, wow, it was really super easy, but it was easy because it was easy. It should get harder as we go on. 
It, doesn't, it shouldn't get easier as we go on because the stakes are a little bit higher. We start to understand things a little bit more. And the life of Saul is incredible because we left off with him uh, killing as many Christians or putting Christians on trial as much as he possibly could. And he was raised in a way in the Jewish tradition that he could argue any point to be able to show that this Christian was wrong and deserved to be on trial. But now he's met Christ and his whole entire life has changed. I mean, talk about a guy who was so neck deep in debt, right? So neck deep in the, really the sin of his life that now he goes, there's something new out there. And it's Jesus Christ and I've met him and, and right away he goes and we left off going, he just went right back into the temple and preaching Jesus. Jesus is really the Son of God. And so I want to read with you, starting in verse 19, and we're going to just take this just section by section a little bit, and we're going to read verses 19 through 22 together, and this is what it says. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the, Jew, it, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. If you're taking notes, you can start right here with me. The very first stage of, of Paul's uh, spiritual formation is this, that it's easy. This is easy. And the reason why I say and I look at this and, and I look at his, his life is, is one simple statement. He's not trying to prove to all the Jewish people in these arguments that, hey, this is how the Old Testament lines up with the New Testament. His whole entire message is this, is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's all he needed to preach. I find it interesting that there's a story back in um, John where uh, a guy gets healed uh, from being blind. And everybody keeps on asking him questions. Well, who healed you? And he's like, well, it was Jesus of Nazareth. Well, where is Jesus of Nazareth now? What did he say to you and what did he do to you? And, and then he, they kept on sending him back and forth. And finally, he said, look, all I know is that at one time I was blind, but now I see that's the only message you need to hear from me. I was blind and now I see and this is the guy that did it for me and I am following him. And so right away, the message of Saul is exactly what he knows, is exactly what he knows. And I'll be switching back between Saul and Paul because Saul is not called Paul yet, so sorry. But his message is incredibly clear and incredibly easy. And the first thing is this, is Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, and he came to save us. And it's incredible to me that as he's being strengthened, and there's a message even here that the believers, 
Jesus says this to all of his believers. He goes, people will know that you love me by the way you love one another. Talk about an amazing church bringing Saul in and saying, we love you. We want to support your message. Paul's knowledge and experience, of course, yes, gave him an instant voice because he knows the Old Testament. But it's pretty simple when you know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so how about you? Do do we live our lives in which we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do we share that, hey, look, one time I was like this, and it's because of Jesus that I'm like this. I can look back at that moment in which I was a complete, well, I still am a sinner, but I knew that I needed Jesus Christ. I, I can even look back at that time if we're going to talk about my story previously. I can look back at that time and I knew that I was so neck deep in debt that I, there had to be something to help me out. When you have credit card companies calling you and threatening to sue you and you have your cell phone system company saying, hey, you need to pay us and, and all those things, you're so neck deep, you go, wait a second, I need a savior. When you're neck deep in sin, at some point we need to come to the realization that this is the answer, Jesus Christ. The thing is, is that I... I I would pose that I I feel like there's a lot of us that walk around and this is okay with us. This is okay with us by saying, hey, Jesus has helped me. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is good. Him and I are great. And so we put on this great facade of going, yep, I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed. I have grace. Man, it doesn't matter. I can keep sinning and God keeps forgiving me. And we never take the next step in the stage of our spiritual formation. Because I do think that Paul could have kept on going and just done done this. Just go to all the synagogues and preach, hey, Jesus is truly the Messiah and I can show you why. But maybe, and I would say that this isn't what God wanted him to do. He has to go to the next step and we then go wait a second, it is easy to put out a budget. It is easy to tell people I love Jesus, but the next step in our hearts of going, am I actually going to change the way that I live is the next section in which we find in Acts. And let me tell you this, it is difficult because when we actually look at our own hearts and what we are inside, we start to realize the big selfishness that's within us we start to realize that maybe we are just putting us on a facade for other people and we need to change the way we act and live our lives. And so in Acts chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, it goes on to say this. It says, After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about the plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When it starts getting difficult and when you start getting pushback, 
When people start making fun of you and going, well, why are you living this way? Or when you start to step out in faith and going, really, Jesus is the way that we need to follow. And we start getting pushback on us and people are telling us, why would you follow a crutch like that? This is when we need to decide, is this truly the way we're going to live? Are we going to live our convictions or are we just going to sweep them under the rug? And, and in fact, actually, we find a, a story, well, not a story, but we find out in later in Galatians and 2 Corinthians, and you guys can read those on, on your own later on, but we find out what happens directly after this. He gets out of the city, and for the next three years, he goes to Arabia, and he spends time at the Mount, in, uh, Mount Sinai where huh, Moses gets the Ten Commandments, and he spends time with God. I think this is the difficult part, is when we sit down with God and we say, God, would you search us completely? Would you tell us what's wrong in our hearts? Would you really show us how we need to change? This is when it becomes difficult. And so the next stage is, this is difficult. During this three years of time in Mount Sinai, and we don't know if it was before this or after this. I mean, there's, just to let you know, this section of Scripture that we're going to be looking at covers almost nine years, just so you're aware. And in 11 verses covers nine years, so it's not instantly, okay? So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But during this time of three years, he learned. He learned through solitude and personal time spent with God. And in that moment, he learned who Jesus was. He learned who he was. And he learned what God wanted him to do. In this kind of difficult stage, I, I will tell you that most of the time for me and going through studying of these things, these, these chapters, for me, I've found that most of my solitude and personal time with God is spent with telling Him what I want Him to do. It's not, hey God, would you teach me who you are? Would you teach me what is inside of me? And would you teach me what you actually want me to do today? It's in the solitude in which God shows us the depths of our need for Him. It's in our personal time with Him and not with other people telling us what to do or uh, giving us uh, advice from opposite sides of the coffee table, but it is God sharing with us where he's asking us to go. In solitude, we find how much God does forgive us and how, how really wicked we are. I'll just, as a side note, and I don't know why I keep going back to this, but um, I think it's just a perfect example in my life of stages of, uh, of maturity, really. But... Uh, when I first got married, my wife and I would, if we went out to dinner, for some reason, I would always either order an appetizer before our meal or two entrees, 
right? Like if I went to Chinese food, you better bet I'm ordering two entrees, right? But I would always order some sort of appetizer. And one day my wife finally said, why do you keep doing this? Is this not enough food for you? Are you hungry? Are you, are you starving or something like that? And, and I had to look into my heart and I had to go, why is this? Why, why do I do these things? And sometimes I, have to, I had to admit maybe it was because I loved the fact that I had enough money to go out to eat, right? That, yeah, I can go out to eat, yeah, when a six inch is okay rather than a foot long. I don't, I don't know, but I, I, when, when we are faced with personal time, I think God gets to ask those questions. Seth, why do you keep going after this? Insert your name in there. Why do you keep mistrusting me to take care of the things that you are asking me to take care of? Or even the, the questions of, man, I haven't seen you in a while. When we spend time in solitude, I think it gets way more difficult because it raises the stakes. It raises the stakes because now God has told us what to do and if we don't answer the call... I think he just can pass us by. Or sometimes we look at the call and we end up going to the next stage if we answer that call and, and we realize that it's quite impossible. And so the next stage in Paul's spiritual formation seems impossible because if you were to look back at the rest of, kind of the rest of the New Testament, and what he is going through seems incredibly impossible, but he knew that that's what he was going to have to go through. God had already told Ananias that I am showing him things right now for how much he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. In verses 26 through 30, it says this. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem. So now, just, just to let you know, this is after the three years of him hanging out with Mount Sinai. He has seen what God is asking him to do. And now he goes to Jerusalem and he spends some time in Jerusalem. And it says, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. This is even after three years. He hasn't been doing anything for three years, but they're still afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. They still thought that maybe he was on this easy side of things. Then Barabbas, oh sorry, Barnabas, brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of, of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. What would it be like if you knew exactly what God was calling you to do and nothing went the way that you wanted it to? Saul relaunches his ministry in Jerusalem and at every single turn, people are saying, no, that's not, that's, nope, we, we don't, we don't actually don't think you can do this because we don't believe you're actually true. 
And also, if you're going to be against us, we're just going to murder you as the Jews tried to do. And so Saul is sent to his hometown for the next nine to ten years. His ministry in building churches doesn't start for another nine years. He goes to his hometown, talking to people as much as possible, going along his way, but he doesn't start traveling around everywhere for, for a long time. I think sometimes we look at Saul and we think to ourselves, man, he's got everything going for him. He was so smart and is, he's ready to go and he's an instant apostle for Jesus Christ. And then we look at ourselves and we say, well, we could never be like that. We could never be like Saul. Cool thing about, I love about Saul's life is that he takes it one stage at a time. All I know is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm going to learn about Him and I'm going to learn about myself along the process. And I'm going to find out what He wants me to do. And then when I know what He wants me to do, because I've spent time and solitude and personally with God, I know that whatever I have to go through is okay because I know that He is with me. And even if it seems possible, even if it seems impossible, I can do this. And so I think there's three things that we need to learn about these stages of spiritual maturity. And the first one is this, is without Christ and the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Without Christ and the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Right away, it starts out in verse 19 where he was strengthened by the Holy Spirit that just doesn't happen out of the blue. We don't all of a sudden become amazing speakers because we're just amazing speakers. We don't all of a sudden have boldness because we just muster it up inside of us. It is because through understanding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have boldness because we now have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit next week when we look at how God is forming Peter and moving the church. But this is really tantamount because with this is the first stage. Have you looked at Jesus Christ lately? Have you seen what he's done on the cross for us? Do we understand the depths of our debt that we could never pay. But God is calling us to say, no, I've, I've given you grace. I read this thing by John Piper, and it says this. It said, grace just isn't God's leniency on you over and over again when you sin. No, grace is the power to overcome sin as well. That God has given us grace to have His Spirit within us, living inside of us, to do the work of the ministry. And so when we see this, we need to realize that if we're ever going to walk outside of these walls, it is the message of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit we carry. It is the boldness we walk around with and we tell people, hey, you really need to look at Jesus Christ. And, and, and be honest, it doesn't get any easier. There are still times 
even when I know how to deal with money, there are still times that I make huge, colossal money mistakes. It might get smaller and smaller, um, or less and less every time, not smaller in amounts of money, that's for sure, but maybe less and less of frequency. And the next one that I, I want to talk about in, in learning from this stage of spiritual formation is no one is indispensable. And what I mean by that is this, is that what if Saul didn't answer the call? He would have just gone to somebody else. It's not like this was only God's choice. I love what Jesus says. He says, if you won't worship me, the rocks will. But I don't want to miss out on this. One of the things that is probably been the, the scariest thing to me lately, and, and I know that I've shared this from the pulpit, but one of the things that's been the scariest for me is the story of the people who go, get, go to heaven and they're at heaven's gates. And they say, hey, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do all of this stuff? And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. They might have understood this very first stage that this is easy. We, can, we know the message of Jesus Christ, but they didn't take the time to allow that message to sink into themselves. I don't want to be left with allowing other people to do the work that God has called me to do. And I don't want you to miss out on that either. I'll take a perfect example from the children's ministry. There are a lot of you in this room right now that have said, well, I've either A, done my job, I did that a long time ago, B, there's no way that I could ever do that. Or C, I just don't care to do that. And the only thing that I think about in that aspect is, have you spent the time with God to either allow Him to say, yep, you don't need to do that. You have other things in the church to do. Or have you just gone, nope, those are, that's just how I am. I think when we spend personal time with God, God shares with us. I, I don't think, I know that God shares with us, this is what I want you to do. Can you answer that today? Can you tell us why you're doing the things that you're doing? Oh yeah, God and I had a great conversation about this. I'm doing this because I know that God has asked me to do this. Or are we just going about life blindly and hoping that God uses us somewhere? And the last thing is this, is that spiritual formation takes time. Spiritual formation takes time. This is not a, Jesus, I gave my life to you, I'm done, the book is closed. In these in these 11 verses is 12 years of life. Some of you haven't even been born for 12 years in this room. Some of you haven't even been a Christian for 12 years in this room. Some of you have been a Christian for a long time and you know that you're still not there. 
But as we walk through this together, I think God works with us. And whatever stage you're at, he can use you as long as you're willing to go to the next stage and look at our own hearts. God, my heart's not spiritually formed yet. What am I missing? Guide me and direct me in that. I think it's funny that the, I don't think it's funny. I am amazed at every single week when Tim sends me the list of songs to sing. And uh, the song is, today is just uh, fitting for us as we close the worship. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up before I, before I pray. But it's the song, Lord, Have Your Way. Um, and the whole entire point of it is this. God, whatever stage I'm at, I'm preaching the whole entire time. Paul didn't stop because he said, hey, I'm not spiritually formed yet enough in that. Paul continued to keep working and go, whatever stage I'm at, I'm going to share Jesus. And so whatever knowledge you are at, that's the point of where God is asking you to be. But as we spend more and more time with him, I think he gives us boldness to to allow him to have his way in us. Let's pray. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for your grace, that you're our only defense, that without you, we are in huge trouble. God, would you help us to have boldness to tell people this was the way I am and this is the way I am now. And Lord, that we would walk into the difficult things that you're asking us to do and even in the impossible things that, that Lord, we would, we would know who you've called us to be. We would know who you are and that we would walk with you. And so God, I just pray that we would be filled with your power, with your presence, to be your witnesses everywhere we go. In your holy name we pray, amen. Love you all, have a great Sunday. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.